The scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 12, verse 12 through 36. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. They shouted, Hosanna, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessings on the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written. Don't be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey coat. His disciples didn't understand these things at first. After he was glorified, they remembered that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. The crowd who had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead were testifying about him. That's why the crowd came to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign that he had done. Therefore, the Pharisees said to each other, See, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the whole world is following him. Some Greeks were among those who had come up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and made a request. Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Jesus replied, The time has come for the human one to be glorified. I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their lives will lose them, and those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. Whoever serves me must follow me. Wherever I am, there my servant will also be. My father will honor whoever serves me. Now I am deeply troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this time. No, for this is the reason I have come to this time. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said, It's thunder. Others said, An angel spoke to him. Jesus replied, This voice wasn't for my benefit, but for yours. Now is the time for judgment of this world. Now this world's ruler will be thrown out. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to me. He said this to show how he was going to die. The crowd responded, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the human one must be lifted up? Who is this human one? Jesus replied, The light is with you only for a little while. Walk while you have the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness don't know where they are going. As long as you have the light, believe in the light so that you might become people whose lives are determined by the light. After Jesus said these things, he went away and hid from them. This is the word of God for the people of God. What does it feel like to have less than a week to live? This is a situation in which Jesus finds himself when he makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem today. The crowds don't know what's coming, but the disciples, like all of us, who know our loved ones will die someday, we shy away from actually admitting that it could happen at any moment. On three occasions prior to his entrance in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Jesus warned his disciples that he would be killed and after three days would rise again. But the disciples, they didn't understand him. The disciples were not willing to hear him, that in fact, he would be killed. To the disciples and the crowds, this 
moment is a moment of incredible potential and excitement. They have seen the miracles that Jesus has done among them. And most likely we're considering what that power might do if they could convince Jesus to turn it against Rome. Jesus arrives in Jerusalem on this day, a week before the Passover, when merchants and money changers and priests are busy attending to the rush of the pilgrims that are filling the city during this holy festive season. A cheering crowd greets Jesus as he enters into Jerusalem. In the book of Matthew, it tells us that people cut branches from trees and spread them along the road. Now, Mark also mentions this, while Luke shares with us that people laid their cloaks along Jesus's path. But in the Gospel of John, it shares with us that people greeted Jesus with palm branches, that they waved in celebration of his entrance into the city. The palm that the crowds waved was an ancient symbol of Israel's liberation. To wave palm fonds in Jerusalem was to declare the liberation of Israel. The Israelites had waved palm fonds two centuries prior as victorious Israelite troops repelled their Syrian enemies. The shouts from the crowds of Hosanna translates literally to save us, which echoes Psalm 118, which says, save us, Lord, we beseech you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was being greeted as the one who liberates, the one who frees. The Gospel of John presents Jesus's popularity as a political problem. It highlights the political logic of Jesus's arrest as a genuine oracle in the mouth of the high priest in verses 50 and 51 says, the death he was to die is a consequence of Jesus's exaltation. And because Jesus lived for the people, he must now die for the people. Jesus goes on in chapter 12 to speak of his death in a thinly veiled metaphor, which was saying a grain of wheat must fall into the ground to bring forth a harvest. What a lonely moment this must have been for Jesus to be surrounded by people adoring you, praising you, but burdened by the knowledge of how brief their acclaim will be. This is the point of no return for Jesus. By entering Jerusalem on a colt with the crowds laying down their cloaks before him, shouting Hosanna to the son of David, he has now triggered one prophetic tripwire too many. At this moment, the Roman rulers and the Jewish, Jewish religious authorities can no longer pretend that Jesus is insignificant, that he is just a fad. According to the Gospel of John, this was the fourth time that Jesus had entered into Jerusalem in the course of his public ministry. But only on this particular day did he receive a royal entrance. After causing the lame to walk, the blind to see, and the dead to rise up from the grave, the people were convinced that God was working out salvation through Jesus. On this day, Jesus is recognized as a king. In our immersion in these scriptures today and this week, as we move from the palm procession to the passion, 
deliberately provokes a crisis within ourselves. We see that the crowd abruptly transitions in less than one week from joyful allegiance to Jesus to rage-filled demands for him to be crucified. The disciples also move from proudly marching at his side through the streets of Jerusalem to slinking away in fear, in confusion, in self-protection, insisting that they don't know who Jesus is. Now, as we take our place among the crowds on Good Friday, shouting for Jesus to be crucified, this just feels awkward and it feels painful. The disciples' experience of simply not affirming that we know Jesus or finding out that our fear also prevents us from being present with one another's pain feels all too familiar. Holy Week, which begins today, is an opportunity to immerse ourselves in this move from the false joy of Palm Sunday, a joy that centered around expectations of power and reward, through the pain of finding out that oftentimes our faith is so weak. Finally, to the deep and profound joy of the day of resurrection, which is the day of new life and forgiveness. We are able to walk with Jesus in real time as the hourglass runs out, as he lives and moves with the knowledge that he has less than one week to live. In the Gospel for Monday and Holy Week, Jesus has his last meal at the home of some of his dear friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus and Lazarus never got to say goodbye to each other when Lazarus was dying. Jesus heard that he was sick and stayed away. They're back in the same situation again. One of them is about to die. But this time, Jesus doesn't stay away. Maybe he wanted to do more than say goodbye. Maybe Jesus needed to see Lazarus alive, talking and eating and laughing. Maybe Jesus needed to reaffirm the evidence of his own eyes that someone can die and to come back to life. At their dinner together, Mary anoints his feet with costly anointment and Judas berates her for not using her money to help the poor. Jesus's defense of her reveals how heavily his approaching death is on her mind. He says, leave her alone. She bought this ointment so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always will have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. On Tuesday of Holy Week, Jesus's struggle with his approaching death continues. John's gospel tells us that Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. And what should I say, Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. We can feel the pain in Jesus's soul, his, his divine conviction of what he has to do. As we approach the end of Holy Week, for the first time, Jesus not just addresses his death, but also his betrayal. The gospel tells us while he was at supper with his friends, Jesus felt troubled in spirit and declared, very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. Now the reason betrayal hurts so much is because it has to become from someone you know and you love. A stranger can't betray you. Someone who dislikes you and always has cannot betray you. And the only thing worse than being betrayed is being the betrayer ourselves, finding out that we are not the people we thought we were. By Friday morning, we find ourselves stumbling along with the crowds toward Golgotha, 
hoping we are not recognized by anyone as one of Jesus's followers. There is a numb sense of disbelief as we watch him being nailed to the cross. As every minute passes, we are certain that this is the moment that Jesus will unleash the power within him, the power we have seen again and again, the power we've seen heal people and allow him to walk on water, feed 5,000 with just a few loaves of bread and fish. Each second now we're waiting and watching sure that he will stop this cruelty and to come down from the cross and save himself. But nothing happens. Jesus simply lets his life bleed away one agonizing moment at a time, growing weaker and weaker until he seems to prove that he's given up on himself and on God the Father and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the moment we think the, the disciples who hid away during the crucifixion had absolutely the right idea. Staring up at him on the cross, we realize that Jesus is actually going to die right in front of us. He cries out, takes his last breath, and the unthinkable moment comes to pass. The gospel says at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. At that moment, our souls are torn in two. At that moment, the living love between God the Father and the incarnate Jesus Christ is torn in two. At that moment, the disciples' hope for the defeat of Rome and the rule of Jesus on earth is torn in two. This is the terrible risk we take by committing to walk with Jesus through Holy Week, that our hearts will be torn in two by this experience. But Jesus' life and our emotional equilibrium are not the only things destroyed on Good Friday. The barrier between God and humanity is torn in two. The record of our sin is torn in two. The reign of death is torn in two. And finally, the shroud of our grief and fear is torn in two by the joy of the resurrection. If we are willing not to skip from Palm Sunday to Easter Day, and not to avoid the darkness that stains these upcoming days, but willing to enter into it, with Jesus and to stand in solidarity with him. The healing and the joy that we experience with his resurrection is twice as deep. Today, we can make a choice. We can choose to be present with Jesus as his disciples throughout this week, confronting the ways in which we betray him, loving him as we see him struggle for the courage to endure his death, or we can hide away unwilling to let our composure be torn in two with the temple curtain. Now the only tools we need are the scriptures and open minds to make this journey with Jesus during this holy week. Putting ourselves into this story can touch us to the core. We can hold on to the hope of Easter as we live into the moments of betrayal, grief, injustice, and violence in the story of the passion as well as in our daily lives. This week, may we immerse our whole selves into the events of Holy Week, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and our souls. Will you join me in a closing prayer? Holy God, we leave this place for a week in which busy activities, 
and worshipful remembrances are intertwined. Teach us now how to make every day a day of prayer so that each day of our lives is filled with hope because of Jesus's death and resurrection. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.